Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. And all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, John Lee, co-founder of PickFu, an online tool for market research. John and his co-founder met as college students and both got jobs in high tech, but they were always interested in starting their own business. Two businesses they started were Menuism, a place where restaurants can offer menus, and Wedding Lens, a place where participants and attendees of weddings could share pictures. In the course of starting these businesses, they developed PicFu on the side to help them with market research. The business grew out of a need to get better feedback about products and marketing. As they saw it grow, they decided to turn their attention to building it as their central business. PicFu is built on existing consumer research panels to provide users with fast feedback on business collateral like websites, logos, and ads, and product sold on e-commerce platforms like Amazon. While they started out with proving ways for businesses and entrepreneurs to ask open-ended questions, PicFu has built a resource of templates and best practices that business can use to create polls. Through the use of such feedback, businesses can gain valuable insight and validate ideas and strategies. In this episode, John and I talk about the importance of market research and consumer feedback when building a business and how PickFu can help entrepreneurs quickly and easily get the feedback they need. Now, let's get better together. John Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jari. Happy to be here. Yeah. Fellow Bay Area native, went to Cal, go Bears, I go always Bears. like to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am Cal by marriage. So, nice. you know, because the other greatest school in the Bay Area, San Jose State, we don't talk about Stanford here at all. <laughs> <No more. laughs> 
Go Spartans. Go Spartans. Go, Go Bears. Spartans. Yes. <laughs> you are the co-founder of PickFu, which is a very fascinating company. Um, we were talking a little bit before that y'all been bootstrapped on your own since roughly 2006, not this incarnation, but yep. kind of like, that's wow, right. that's living through some stuff. We've been through some stuff. <laughs> been through some yes. stuff. Um, and I can't wait to talk about that, learn all about what you're doing at PickFu. Um, but before we do that, as I always like to say, I'm kind of a boring guy. I have the same question. It's because I'm kind of dense that way, you know, public school education and all. <laughs> uh, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah, uh, that great. So yeah, like you said, um, currently running PickFu. Uh, PickFu is probably the fourth or fifth business that myself and my co-founder have built in our over a dozen years of being independent. Uh, prior to that, we uh, both held jobs at high-tech companies, and those jobs we jumped into right after college. So I guess I guess officially, uh, I've only had one official job after graduating college, and I've been gainfully unemployed ever since. Yep. I always like to say, entrepreneur, unemployable, unmanageable. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what were some of the companies before that, like that, that kind of made the evolution to pick food? Because I mean, I've always seen that people kind of have this like building of skills and kind of ratchet up as things go. Yeah. So, uh, so my co-founder, Justin and I, we were both uh, friends and uh, at, we met in college at Berkeley and we were both engineering, like uh, computer science students after school, you know, we got, we had always wanted to do a startup. We graduated right as the first dot-com bubble crashed. So while we were in school, we got to see our upper classmate, our upper classmates graduate and get lucrative jobs at high-flying startups, you know, then that was the expectation. That did not happen when we graduated. So we went to the relative safety and security of larger tech companies. Um, he went to Hewlett Packard, I went to Microsoft, and we were there for a number of years. So but even when we were there, we were always talking about new ideas that we had and, hey, we should try this and shouldn't somebody build this and so on. Never did anything about it. And it, inevitably, we would see someone else do it. So at least we were validated in that, okay, well, we're not the only ones with these dumb ideas, right? If someone else is willing to go and put money and their time behind it, like we're not completely... We don't have at least the worst ideas or equally bad ideas as other people, right? So at some point, you know, it was an inflection point in our careers, in our both of our positions. And we had tried building things on the side. Uh, we were both remote in different places. And that didn't really work. So we got together one long weekend and just brainstormed, be planned, um, you know, um, thought of all the ideas we could just had long discussion about it. And the very next day back at work, we gave notice to our, uh, independently to our jobs and deciding to give notice and jumping ship was actually the easy part. Um, being Asian American, the harder part was actually thinking about how to tell my parents, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, that you actually do took, it. Huh, what? <laughs> oh, what exactly? Oh, what you're, you're leaving a good corporate job for yeah. what? Yeah. 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 Um, so that was interesting. Um, anyway, so that was 06. The idea that we decided to jump uh, to launch was 
Um, it's called Menuism. It was a restaurant menu aggregator. We thought that we could replace the drawer of kitchen menus uh, or restaurant menus that you would have in your kitchen at the time. Um, the initial business plan was to sell, you know, we'd build out this directory. We would sell services to restaurants. That's how we would monetize. Um, as most entrepreneurs figure out, like the, that initial idea for a business was completely, it was turned completely on its head. We, um, yeah, we turned out that we got a lot of traffic through, we discovered organic search Google organic search started sending us a lot of traffic. Our monetization turned out to be digital ads on the platform instead of selling uh, services to restaurants. We tried, we went door to door to restaurants and talked to them at the time. It was soul crushing. Uh, we just, we realized that back, particularly back then restaurants didn't know about the web, didn't care about the web, only worried about the things within their four walls. Yeah. That was really interesting insight. Yeah. Super um, early for that, for sure. That was super early. Um, fast forwarding a, a little bit. We, we had always wanted to build a portfolio of revenue, revenue generating businesses. Manuism was the first one. Another one we tried uh, and built was called the wedding lens. Uh, my co-founder, Justin got married. There was no way at the time for us, all of our friends to share photos. So I kind of hacked up a quick way for everyone to upload photos to the same place, upload their zip files from their digital cameras, you know, and then we would unzip them, build, put them into albums, have a, have like a shared album online. And it turned out that that worked pretty well. So we tried to monetize it. Um, our, what we thought was nice about that was that we could actually just sell a product that customers would pay for. And I think that was the challenge with menuism and running a, a website where you're beholden to Google or a search engine for traffic on one side and you're beholden to Google, actually, Google and advertisers on the other side for revenue, whereas your real your real users are the ones that are coming through the site and actually using it. And so there was sort of, it felt wrong to have this weird um, tension, I guess, between the people who are... Uh, who are funding your your business and the people who are actually using your product. And so it felt nice and simple to be able to just build a product like the wedding lens, where it's like, we say, this is what we're building. This is what we're offering. This is what you're going to get. You either take it or leave it. And so that was pretty cool. Um, learned a lot about building product through those two experiences. Um, we really learned that we are not wedding people, I guess, besides besides our own. Um, the different world, huh? It's a different world. It's, it's absolutely a different world. And, um, you know, I think the wedding industry, I, I reckon, I realize now why everything in the wedding industry is so overpriced is because the, these are one-time purchases, right? Like, you know, uh, most of the time they're one-time purchases, unique experiences in people's lives. And for businesses to be in, in the wedding industry, they've got to think long and hard about what comes you know, what's the next step to engage with that customer either before or afterwards. Um, so that our interest in that, you know, fizzled, fizzled over time. And along the way, um, back even when we were doing menuism, we had, because it was just the two of us and we were bootstrapped, we didn't have a ton of funding. We didn't have any funding before um, getting validation and feedback. And so we would always be asking our friends and family, and there's a certain point in an entrepreneur's journey where you, you know, you're always asking 
um, your friends and your family, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And initially, they're probably super supportive and giving you open and honest feedback. And at a certain point, they're not, right? Because they're just like, okay, yeah, what, whatever. It, it's great. It's great. It's great. They're, they're not going to say, they're, they're not going to give you the hard, tell you the hard truth to your face. Um, so as a way to try to solve that problem and break tiebreakers between myself and my co-founder, uh, we built PickFu which is a way to tap into consumer panels to get raw feedback on really microscopic or small decisions, but small decisions that matter in a business, right? Like, so for us, we were trying to decide on a website design. We were trying to design, decide on a logo, what color to make this, what kind of, you know, what kind of headline would work better on a homepage or on a given landing page, that kind of stuff. And we could just debate it all day, or we just throw it out to the crowd. And so we built the tool to throw it out to the crowd. And that was PickFu. PickFu was a side hustle or like a side business that we just put on the side for years. And I think we had a PayPal button on it at the time. Um, didn't Had no promotion. We would check in every once in a while and see that more and more people were using it. Then go back to our other businesses, then come back a year or two later and say, hey, there's something going on here. Um, and so that repeated a couple of times. And eventually, as all fun side projects are, you know, the side project became bigger than the, than the main project. Um, so a couple of years back, we started, we turned our focus full-time to PickFu. Um, and then that really started changing, uh, that really took off even more once we discovered the world of Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers, because, um, for something like PickFu, where you can really optimize, uh, like a visual asset, um, the, uh, it had a great effect on, uh, e-commerce sellers businesses, right. To be able to optimize. Oh yeah. And, and win the Huge. click on an Amazon marketplace like yeah. that. So we've we've had some, we're able to basically enable split testing off Amazon with creatives, help them get more clicks, get more sales, and so on, and really grow their businesses. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, how much that stuff drives demand and sales. I I, I have a pretty healthy respect for it that, you know, my day job is trying to figure out this for B2B stuff. Yeah. But, you know, e-commerce and B2C is like at a whole other orders of magnitude above when it comes to just volume and data and like all the things that like could go wrong can <laughs> that can yeah. go right, you know? Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a tool. I don't know if you've, you've probably heard of it. It's called Winter, mm-hmm. you know, um, Pep Laya actually had him on the show about a year, year and a half ago. Oh, like, awesome. You know, when it wasn't called winter, it was, I don't remember what he called it before. Something else, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's huge on, on LinkedIn, obviously does a lot of messaging and his whole tagline, cause he's a little bit, you know, in your face is like, do you resonate? You know, do you resonate? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's funny because on the people don't take, I don't understand why people don't take the lessons from both because B2C e-commerce has got actually a lot of really good insights for a B2B type business. Absolutely. You know, and so I'm curious, you know, you, I'm assuming it sounds like PickFu is mostly for e-commerce, obviously it could be used for other things, but is most likely where it shines, but oh, you're shaking your head now. So good. <laughs> you will correct me, but I mean, I'm just wondering if there's like the lessons from that huge amount of volume where the detail, like the micro details, which I really love how you put like this micro details, micro feedback matters, the incremental as opposed to the massive, like everyone wants to 
let's just redo the whole website, man. Like, oh, we need really, you know, like the, yeah, yeah, the exactly. stuff that never works. <laughs> yeah, totally. So yeah, so tell us, walk us through that and correct my, in, in a correct assumption. So I mean, basically what we're trying to do with PicFu is to make it uh, um, easy enough for anyone to tap into consumer insights, right? To be able to actually reach their target audience. Um, we have a panel, I think our panel is over 10 million in the US and then 15 million internationally. You can micro-target by all the standard demographics, right? Like age, gender, so on. And then also target by uh, like whether they're an Amazon Prime member, whether they take nutritional supplements, how often they exercise. So you can really target by whatever your target audience is and then ask them simple polls on PicFu. So it's a, for now, it's a single question with a number of different options. They get to choose uh, they get to, you know, respond to your question, choose the one that they prefer, and then also give written feedback. And so oftentimes it's the written feedback. I like to joke that uh, our customers come for the votes, but they stay for the responses because oh, yeah. it's that insight. Oh, yeah. yeah that it's raw insight huge. from the crowd. It's that, uh, in, that's the thing I think a lot of people that do surveys yeah. screw up. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, we have to give them all these options because they'll never write anything down. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, no. Gold? Is the comment? <laughs> yes, take it raw. Exactly, <laughs> take it raw. Um, for example, one th- uh, you know, and we have a lot of you can you can write your own question, and we have a lot of pre pre populated templates based on sort of like the best use cases that we've seen from different our different customer segments. Um, our customer segments range from e commerce to like gaming, uh, mobile gaming to self publishing authors. Um, you know, because testing your book titles, testing your book cover. Because you know everyone judges a book by its cover, right? Like, unfortunately, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yes, unfortunately, that is true. Um, but yeah, just being able to get open-ended feedback from um, from your target audience. Um, let's say, so if you're like selling a tea kettle on Amazon or something, you could uh, set up, you, you know, you could set up a poll that targets people who cook a lot at home and just have them go visit your Amazon listing and surface questions about the listing that are unanswered, right? And then that's an opportunity to improve your listing and sort of keep uh, iter- testing and iterating, testing and iterating to improve your business. And and these, you mentioned panels. So you've got millions or 10 million panels in the US or panelists, would it be? Panelists, yeah. Panelists, okay. And are yeah. these people that signed up for PicFu and they get compensated or I, how does that they- work? They get compensated uh, a small stipend every time they answer a poll. The PicFu is actually built on top of the same consumer research panels that um, that standard consumer like CPG market research panels are built on. It's the same panels that uh, that political polling panels are built on. You know, so like when they when they survey during elections, so and so has you know favors so and so. Like we basically we built a, a system to connect a lot of these panels together with a layer of targeting and then also uh, quality control. Cause a lot of times these are, these uh, panelists may or may not be paying attention, but because we're able to analyze their behavior and everything, we have, we set a pretty high quality bar in terms of who's actually allowed to um, answer these polls. And what about on the B2B side? Are there, you have similar panelists slash a cohort because like on winter as an example like yeah they have well i was actually a panelist for a while i think i think uh-huh. i still am i haven't got one in a while yeah but but they would be like hey we have a new one what do you think and you know 
I would tell him what I thought. And I don't remember how much I got paid. It was a small amount, but it was actually kind of fun. Our panel has taught us that it's on. a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 Because they'll, they'll get to see. Um, so towards your first question, we don't have a huge sub-segment of business of like B2B yet. We are working on that. We do have some segmentation around business owners, entrepreneurs, side hustlers, and so on. Uh, but we haven't built out our targeting on that side. Most of our targeting is around sort of consumer behavior. So if you're a business, I mean, we sell to businesses. If you are a business that targets um, the end consumer, then PickFu is absolutely for you. Um, and a total brain fart on your other question. Oh, no, just like how... So as an example, like they get paid a stipend. Yes. Yeah. So they all get paid a small stipend and we do hear back from them that, you know, they, they really enjoy uh, doing the PickFu polls because we've, we've gotten some pretty big name customers who, you know, under NDA, not allowed to talk about, but they do get to sort of see yeah, um, like, oh, I gave feedback on this yeah. and then I saw the product launch, right? Like that's, that's, yeah. that's always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that's the fun thing about winter, right? Yeah, it's yeah. more in depth because it's both basically the messaging on the landing page or whatever page, right? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they do emails or whatever. But of course, yeah. under NDA, we can't talk about who they are. But Absolutely. it is kind of fun to be like looking through it, going, "Why did they pick that? That's oh, the absolutely. dumbest thing I have ever." Heard. But you know, it's that raw reaction. Oh yeah, yeah, super valuable for the yeah. person who's requesting the survey. Yeah, for sure. And I think more, I mean, the reason why winter, I think resonates so much is because B2B messaging position, like this is what I do for a living. So I'm very sensitive, one sensitive to it and to appreciate how hard it is. And also appreciate how hard it is what you're trying to do. Because like, it's, you know, to me, product is democratized, right? Everything is saturated with product messaging and positioning. And to Pep's point, do you resonate? Yep. Like story matters more than everything. Like best story wins. And, and in order to know the best story, you need to figure out, not get out of your own head, sorry, get out of your own head and say like, okay, what do people really want? And that's powerful that I don't think a lot of people do a lot of, I mean, consumer brands do, they have to, because, you know, what's the difference between, you know, liquid death and (laughs) crystal geyser. Well, A huge you know marketing I mean? budget, I guess. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Spent in a different way, yeah. But particularly on, on competitive marketplaces, um, like like the App Store or like Amazon, where you know shoppers aren't going there for brand. They're good. Like if if shoppers are on your website, they're they're there for your brand. But if they're they're buying your product on Amazon, they're not looking for, um, you know, like. Jari's teapot, they're just looking for a teapot, right? They're searching for a teapot. So what that means is that it's really about the visual, like the presentation of your, your creative, the way you're positioning your titles and your descriptions, but then all particularly the, the image that's going to win the click and actually get that conversion. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's positioning in a different way, right? Like it's how you put yourself out there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think B2B needs this now more than ever. I mean, what I've seen in my daily, you know, my day job is, I mean, especially SaaS is so saturated with, I mean, there's like 10,000 MarTech tools now, or probably oh, I know. Yeah. there's like a billion <laughs> of them. Like I don't yeah. even, can't e- I can't even keep track and it's my job to keep track, right? I have to know this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think a lot of the people that, you know, a lot of the clients we get when it comes to that, 
just fundamental, basic. Did you ask anyone what they wanted? Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. Um, and you know, part of our process is to do that, right? Cool. And um, one of the reasons this, you know, we're right now recording on Zoom, and we're also recording with Fireflies, um, is because that feedback is extremely important to understand in a way that's contextual to what you're trying to build. And, and it does drive a lot of the messaging positioning in general, especially yeah. in B2B, just not at the million scale. Like some, you know, B2B clients, you know, the universe they talk to is like, there's probably 25,000 people that actually care about what they max. do. Yeah. I yeah. See. Max. Right. Yep. Everyone else is like, ah, whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. I mean, so you, you think you're going to, the expansion possibility is into more B2B stuff, like taking what you learn from consumer and the Amazon stuff, or do you think that there's more, more to do in the consumer space? Um, so there is a lot more to do in the consumer space. Um, I think we already have a lot of SaaS companies actually using PicFu now for message testing, for homepage testing. Awesome. There are probably more folk, um, but their their target audience is probably not as small as what you were describing about, you know, worldwide, only 24,000. And yeah. I think PicFu is a great way to get a quick gut check of how people are perceiving your messaging. You know, we get a lot of, we there's a lot of like homepage tests, logo tests, naming tests, um, getting feedback on, you know, if you're coming up, if you're opening, say, a... Like if you're open, like opening like a small business or something, and you want to under you're deciding between different logos, you've run maybe maybe you've run like uh like a 99 designs, like some kind of design contest to get a logo to get a name. Well, what are you going to do with 99 designs? Like how are you going to choose? Right? Like so we we see a lot of we see a lot of that where uh, they take the finalists from 99 designs, test it on PicFu, understand what the audience thinks about when they're actually looking at the logos, um, and helps you make a more informed decision. Yeah. Yeah. Feedback is so important. It is. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when, you know, some, something I've cooked up in my head, you know, it's brilliant. And then everyone's like, what the heck did you say? What, what, what were you smoking? What were you on? <laughs> it felt good in my head. <laughs> I mean, an entrepreneur's judgment does matter, right? You're, yeah, the, one pushing, absolutely. you're, you're the one pushing the vision forward. That being said, you know, it's always good to get out of your head. Um, to validate the, validate those ideas. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've learned and I I love your thoughts on this over my journey is what I think is good may not be what the customer thinks is good or the market and the ego to swallow the ego a little bit and be like, okay, maybe they're right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, uh, I think in our journey, we've, we've, been taught that repeatedly over and over again. And I think at this point we, we have ideas. We try to, we try to talk to our customers constantly like, and just have like a, uh, ongoing conversations with a lot with as many customers as we can, because being close to your, being close to your target market, being close to your target customer, that's, that's kind of where the magic happens, right? Where you might be the ideas guy and you might have all these different like interesting things that you want to bring out into the world, but you really need that validation from your customer or your, your target customer too. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm curious, I mean, these millions, tens of millions of panelists or, I mean, that must be a challenge to manage that and get more in the churn. I mean, how, how, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Because 
of course you have your end customer, the people that pay you for the yeah. for the surveys or whatever. But then you also have the value is you've got 10 million people that you can pick from. Yep. You know, yeah. I, I got it. I got to imagine that's a bit of a challenge. I mean, how, how do you, would that be considered, are you like a two-sided marketplace? It's would kind that of be? a two-sided marketplace. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I mentioned, like we built, we built on top of those other panels that exist. So, so, so there are consumer panels out there where their main job is to provide these panels and they do the recruitment and they do, you know, like compensation and all that. And so our job is working with those panels. So it's a lot of business development relationships and then technical integrations. And, um, as a, as a, you know, as a product person, that's kind of where I find it much more, uh, where I find it interesting to be able to connect all these different systems together in a hopefully elegant way and easy to use way. Like that's, um, as someone who likes to build stuff, that's kind of what, uh, part of what excites me, uh, about this. Interesting. So you, okay. That's actually really, so there's basically an ecosystem of panelists. There's an ecosystem of market research, market research already. Right. Right. Okay. Ever like, like Procter and Gamble, they'll work with market research panels with an in-house team and go run these, uh, you know, and so there's an entire ecosystem out there and we're just kind of building upon it in kind of in our own way. Right. And so the, the value add for those folks is that you, what, 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 how, how would you, how would you characterize the value add that PickFu has to that? Yeah. Ecosystem? So if you're working in a large company, like if you're, uh, if you're working in a large organization, oftentimes if you wanted to find out what your target customer thought about this design or whatever, or this tagline or logo, whatever, whatever it is that decision that you're facing right now, it would be a long and involved process to contact your insights team make a proposal and work with them to figure out, okay, well, now we're going to go and try to target this segment of people. Your insight team goes, works with potentially an outside market research agency. They work with a panel to like do the recruitment and set up this. So that whole process of actually getting your thing that you're working on in front of the uh, target audience that you want to would normally take uh, five digits of spend and like months to go through your internal bureaucracy and then an external bureaucracy. With PickFu, we're trying to make that self-service. So we're tapping directly into those same panels that that market research agency and your consumer insights division would be tapping into, but with a front end that's as easy as, as like a mobile app, like it's all self-service. So you could, so together we could launch a poll in less than two minutes right now and get up to 500 people talking about, let's say Ooh. your podcast cover design or your website cool. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I did this one thing. Um, I'm into product market fit for whatever nice. reason, because I'm a startup guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the superhuman CEO and I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he wrote this fantastic article. Ruhal or yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yep, I remember yeah, Ruhal, that. Right. You read that, right. right. He, he just, blew me away about how cool this was. And then I did a more some research and it's like, oh, he he stole it from another guy or borrowed it from another guy, right? That they had done some some research and they're like, hey, these are the questions to ask. So I literally had built this product market fit survey for a client, my old job, that we're still using today. It's been a year and a half. And it's just this fantastic model for do is this really something that's useful? 
I and, implemented that in PicFu. Yeah. Like, like with using intercom. Like yeah. when I read that article, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to do this, right? Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. It was yeah. just yeah. phenomenal. Was I've shared that with so many people, right? It's just such like very like, okay, I really like this guy. Yeah. Um, and then when I decided, I said, well, look, maybe I do a podcast market fit survey. So I did one for, for the, for the, for the entrepreneur ethos, this podcast. And, you know, I didn't get many responses because I just sent it off to friends or whatever people, but it was insightful because it was the comments that just blew me away, you know, and it was, it was really fun. I mean, I love data and I'm a geek that way, but I love the fact that it's a, the easier you make that stuff, Mm -hmm. the more people will use it. And I think the more people that use it will just be like, it's just going to be part of your workflow. Like, Hey, we got to talk to people about this. So that's kind of a, that's kind of our mission, right? Is to take like enterprise grade consumer insights, but put it in the hands of people who are actually doing the work, I guess. Yeah. Because you're right. It's like a pulling teeth to do do it in a big, I mean, even a small company, even a startup, because the problem is what we found is that there's not a lot of talent around survey design, mm-hmm. what this means, what's the data mean. It's hard to do. People yeah. are always like, well, why did you say this question and that question? You know, like yeah. survey monkey is the best yeah. example of this, where you start writing a question and they're like, do you really mean that? Or do you really are, want to use whatever? Sure? Wonder, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so I'm, ass- I'm assuming you have a bunch of baseline data for which to compare and like people can kind of know yep. where they're at. And I'm just curious how that's been received and like, cause that seems like you've just got, you must have a wealth of best practice data. This is how it works. This is your category. This is where you stack up and rank. So I'm just like, that's probably a whole other like effort to kind of make sense of all that intelligence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's, it's both a blessing and a curse that, um, you know, we've been around for a while and we've had a, a large number of customers come through and use use your product, right? I mean, that's that's kind of what every every product person's dream is, is that you get good usage. And so then you can look at that data and understand how people are using it. Um, we've definitely dove in and sort of based on that, you know, we started off where our uh, our polling form was just an open question. You can write anything you want. And when you let people write anything you want, you get some surprises, right? And so we've built up a whole bunch of best practices of like how to write the right question and so on. And then for our given, for our target verticals, we've also built up a library of different use cases based on the questions and what you're doing. And so we've actually productized those best practices into sort of one-click combos and templates so that if you're, you know, like if you're building some kind of, if you're building some kind of game, we have a whole set of best practice use cases where you just click in, you put in your game characters or you put in your gameplay video or something and you know, you're know you off to the races as quickly as possible. And I think that's also good for baselining. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of times, you know, you just don't know where you stack up, right? Like I think yeah. that's one of the major marketing headaches and well, most marketers I talk to, they're heartburn. <laughs> Because most marketers are ah schizophrenic. I don't know what you know. They well, I I, I just a little, just a tad, because yeah, they're yeah. all like pretty much worried that they're going to get fired because <laughs> they did something stupid. But it's uh-huh. nice to be able to match up, right? Like, oh, 
this is where I sit. You know, this That's is my- actually something that we see a lot yeah. is yeah. Uh, not just optimization for um, like you're improving packaging and you're trying to put up three three versions of your latest like packaging, but we actually see a lot of competitive testing in that way. So we see a lot of entrepreneurs um, putting up their products against their best sell- like category bestsellers, other entrants in the space and getting sort of this, getting this feedback in like a sandbox environment, right? Where you're not, you're not going out there to Twitter or Facebook and like, you don't want to have that perception that, Hey, well, what do you think about this and this and this, like, but to be able to do that in a, in a private environment, I think it can provide a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's just so fascinating because one of the things that people are, are just inundated with data, right? Yes. I, I see this a lot too, where companies collect a lot of data. They don't analyze it. Nope. They don't understand it. It's just a tsunami of data. Like it just, it, it's this never ends, right? Yeah. And people get really frustrated with that, specifically when it comes to like performance marketing and like just optimizing all that stuff is just hard. It's just really hard. Yeah. No question about it. There's not a lot of data, data science talent out there that does it. It's hard to do. You got to have all the plumbing in. But one thing that, again, I find neglected <laughs> is like, Let's ask people what they want as yeah. opposed to giving them the crap that we want them to have. Yeah. And, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like sometimes it can be that simple is just, yeah. just, just ask. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. I was with the client the other day and we were talking about topics of some, I don't remember exactly what it was. I said, have we asked anyone what they want us to write about? They're like, yeah. uh, no. And I'm like, uh, maybe we should do that first. <laughs> exactly. It's uh people will tell you, by the way, <laughs> absolutely tell you. I don't, I mean, this, I, I'm just going to share in the chat here, like, yeah. you know, cool. just, just some sample polls. Cause I don't know if you've taken a look at some of this stuff before, but yeah, it's like, um, if you just ask and like, you can ask about yourself, you can ask about your competitors and so on like that. Like sometimes it's, it's just that simple. And we have, um, we definitely have marketers who use it, uh, use it to get a gut check on their ads before mm-hmm. going out. Mm-hmm. Right before before you're going to put a whole bunch of spend mm-hmm. on, um, like if you want, you can. I I am all for being data driven, but if you're putting out eight sets of ads on Facebook and letting the algorithm try to get you to statistical significance, that is a lot of spend that you're putting out there, and and not optimized for you. It's optimized right. for them. Yes. That's the thing that I think a lot of these performance marketers really don't get. And mm-hmm. what I hope will be more of a disciplined approach, because again, you know, you're an engineer, I have an engineering background. We're used to scientific method, hypotheses. Yeah. 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 Let's take some data. <laughs> Let's yeah, figure exactly. this out. Yeah. And if you just let the algo go off on its own, it's going to optimize for its own purposes, not your yes. own purposes. Exactly. And that is just, Something that I think a lot of marketers and I mean, just entrepreneurs in general, you really need to understand this and you need to experiment in a way that's going to be good for you and your company, yeah. not the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. And, and the winning ad might win in terms of clicks, but the audience might not be taking away the message that you want them to have, right? So you might as well ask them what message they're getting from it first before actually 
putting all that spend behind it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, winter and winter's yeah. ads. I don't know if you've seen some of their ads, yeah, yeah. just, yeah, it's I mean, spot on, right? it's yeah. spot on, you know, it's yeah. like test your messaging and then like, I mean, great. You got everyone's coming again. I'm a big fan, right? Yeah. Um, but also a big fan of what you guys are doing now that I've learned a little bit more about it and just trying to figure out how I'd use this for my clients. Because I think it's important to have the discipline of data collection, data and insights, data enhanced, data inspired. I, being data driven is one thing. I think to your point, maybe, maybe we agree, uh, disagree on this, but I, I think being data-driven is not necessarily the best way. I think being data-inspired and making those hard choices. And the thing I think that's happened with performance marketing over the last, well, up until now, over the last decade is that people just forgot good marketing. They forgot good analysis. They, they're like, oh, performance, we'll just do spend. What's the ROI? And you're like, look, you know what? This is maybe not in your best interest. Yeah. And I really like the fact what you guys are trying to do. So I'm just curious, you know, as a parting thought, if I'm an entrepreneur looking to build a new product, you know, how would I best use pick food to sort of like guide me in a way that that is like more thoughtful and inspired? Um, I as an entrepreneur, I think I think new entre- entrepreneurs should think about pick food as a way to quickly gut check your decisions with your target audience. Uh, it shouldn't drive your decisions, right? You're the entrepreneur, you're the one with the inspiration and the vision and everything else, but it's a way to get really fast validation, usually less than an hour um, from a real panel of people who are can be quite critical and are very unbiased about what your, uh, about your stuff. So yeah, it's a great way to. Uh, I, I, I we like to say uh, test before you invest. Yes, and yes, that's a that's great, a great way to do that. Great way to do that. And um, thank you for the two links. I'm going to put the two links in the show notes of what sure, John sent sure. me in terms of results because I'm a sucker for data and beautiful things, and I just love like reports that have something actionable <laughs> as opposed right. to. Yeah, thank God there doesn't seem to be any pie charts because I'm not a pie, no pie chart. chart. <laughs> no, no, no pie charts, just, just just words and some analysis. That's yeah, all. yeah. I fight with people all the time about pie charts. But anyway, that's because <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. But you know, hey, this has been so great. You know, yeah. I know we just kind of scratched the surface on what you guys do at PickFu. Love to hear the story. Oh, always love to hear about people in college and co-founders kind of continuing <laughs> on, you know, yeah. with each other, not killing each other yeah, that too. and and building things, you know, that are useful. And, and, and again, you know, you could do anything, you could build bro apps just like I could build bro apps, but I really love the fact that there's like a mission behind what you're doing. Cause it's important that we test and find out what works, right? Like that was, that was one of the core values that we talked about when we started <laughs> the company anyways, was that, um, at least something I told myself was that I always wanted to do something that I could tell my parents about. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of different ways to, there's a lot of different ways to do business and make money on the internet or in the real world. But uh, I wanted to be able to say that, you know, Hey, like to be able to have a clear conscience and say, this is what I do. I'm I'm trying to provide value. Right. And it matters a lot. Does, does so much. John. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Jari. It's been great. Thanks, John, for being on the show. 
Uh, this is super fascinating, and I'm a big data geek, nerd, whatever you want to call it. I always love uh, looking at these kind of things, excuse me, because they're so powerful in making a decision on what you should do. So, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with John. Small things can make a difference. PicFu is good at helping you figure out decisions about seemingly minor things like website design and colors and logos. Yeah, I mean, most people want the big win or the big silver bullet, which never really happens. It's usually a series of small things. And why I like PicFu so much is that it sort of lets you make these minor adjustments and sort of see the results in real time, or at least as near as real time as you can. Um, very powerful. And I don't think people test enough. I don't think people follow the data enough. So if you are in uh, e-commerce or any kind of business, ask yourself questions like, what data am I collecting to make better decisions? How can I ask my current customers what they like and what they don't like? What are some of these experiments or cycles of learning I can use to make my product and marketing better? I mean, it's really, that's all there is to it. You just got to, you know, be data inspired, so to speak, follow the data and then make good decisions. Use what's there. Instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, John is interested in finding ways to integrate already existing systems in place. They used an existing framework and system drawing on tools for consumer and political polling. They have built on top of these platforms to offer a fast and easy service. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting that they've got, I mean, it's, got to be millions of people that can take these polls or these, you know, panelists, right? Of course, we talked about it's mostly specific to uh, e-commerce and uh, business to consumer. And, 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 you know, of course, hopefully they'll expand into B2B. But yeah, I mean, build on what's there and then aggregate how to think about it. You know, it's really great to have all of these services around you. But sometimes it's just hard to, one, figure out how to use them, and two, pull them all together. So, yeah, ask yourself questions like, what are the things that I can leverage that already exist? How can I pull things together to make it easier for people to interact with? I think that's really powerful. Um, And that's usually the way things are going to go nowadays, right? I mean, there's so many tools out there. It's really about how do you set these tools up, right? Always ask for open-ended feedback. Providing space for the people you are asking to give comments other than simply answering a poll can make a huge difference in the insights polling provides. Yeah, I mean, with AI and chat GPT and all of the tools that can analyze text, there's like really zero excuse to not have open-ended questions. And to be honest, they are the most powerful insights you will find. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a poll that people can select, but... Boy, when you just ask someone, tell me what you think, you will never know what they're going to say until you ask them, right? So uh, very important to do that. And I'm really, it's really cool how, um, how they can do that. But then you can also, in their, in their tool, um, have standard canned questions, which is pretty awesome. So there you have it, the actionable insights from my awesome interview with John. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list 
by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.